I appreciate it much. What a good morning. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you chose to be here. And uh, it's a good place to be. It really is. Thank God for it. And the impact of this past week over amidst the cornfields in Dwight, Illinois. Dwight's a very small town. There's nothing near it except corn and soybeans and, uh, and more corn. And uh, yet God's done work there. And so thank God for it. And uh, far-reaching impact of that. It's a tremendous thing. I love every bit of it. Look in your Bibles there in Matthew chapter 22, if you will. A very simple and direct biblical message for you this morning. And uh, I want you to get what God has for you. I hope you've come to the Lord's house with a heart for the Lord. He knows your heart. He knows what you do. He knows your intentions. That's a sobering thought. Matthew 22, Jesus was answering the question which had been asked Him, which was the great, the first commandment or the great commandment. He said in verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I want to speak this morning on the subject, why the second is like unto the first. Why is that tied together that way? Why did the Lord say it that way? Why is the second commandment, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, like unto the first commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all thy soul. And we're going to look at the Scripture and I'm going to give you some things with this. Let's pray together, please. Father, uh, I've been blessed this morning. And uh, Lord, watching the ladies sing, thinking of just some things I know in all of them where they've walked through some trials that have been fiery and yet have found you faithful in them. And that added emphasis to me with it. I appreciate that. Testimony, I appreciate that. A good congregational singing. Beautiful offertory and what it brought my mind to. Thank you for your place. Thank you for a holy and a sacred place that you love. Pray you'll bless and help our hearts to love you and to understand your word. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. It's interesting when you look at it, if we're going to understand how the second is like unto the first, do as well to look at the first for just a moment. Very simple message this morning. It'll help you. I don't care if you've walked with the Lord for decades and decades, or if you're new in the Lord, um, you'll learn from the Bible this morning if you give attentiveness to what's said. First of all, look at the great commandment when Jesus was asked this question, what was the great commandment, the first commandment, this is... In fact, when in another place we talked about this, in verse 40, if you look down all the way to verse 40, it says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So on these two, this is the, the, the underpinning, this is the foundation, if you will, for everything else that God's trying to get across from us. And of course, the first thing that has to come into play for us to get everything that God wants for us is that this is a love relationship and we are supposed to love God. It's fine to occasionally in life be doing something because it's duty. Sometimes that keeps us on track. Sometimes, honestly, we're in a place in our life where doing our duty is the thing we can do. Okay, this is right to do. I'll just keep doing that. And there's nothing against that. 
But that's not where God wants us to live and that is not what will make us strong in the Lord. What everything else hinges on is the thing of loving God completely. Um, he goes and enumerates some things here. And the first thing he mentioned with it, when he said in verse 37, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Well, we talk about that. We understand the heart is the seat of emotion. We say that, don't we? Perhaps you said to somebody, I love you with all my heart. We have, I have a little bit of a warped sense of humor, as you all have detected over the years. And uh, my wife and I will be being playful with her, and I'll say, honey, I love you with all my heart and a little bit of my pancreas. You know, and just we'll have fun with that. Just throw that out there. And those of you just laughing now, I also have a twisted sense of humor. Um, but, that's, uh, <laughs> but it is a, uh, um, the, the idea of the heart is everything focused in, and it's coming from your innermost being. Let me show you scripture with that, and it'll help define for you what that's talking about. Look in Colossians chapter 3. It's funny how. Our paths come across there a few times in the last few services, hasn't it? Colossians chapter 3. Tish, if he's snoring over there, Joe's profoundly deaf. No, I, I won't wake him up by being loud. He can't hear me. Yeah, so there you go. So there you go. Just don't join him. All right? That's all I ask. That can be contagious. Don't be jealous either. That can be contagious. Colossians 3. Talking about this thing of loving God with all your heart. Colossians 3 verse... One is what is called classically a if-then proposition. If this, then this. And in logic and rhetoric, it's a, it's a very uh, sound process of bringing across the truth. And so that's the way this is presented. If ye then, if then, if ye then be risen with Christ. Now, this is talking to those who have believed on the Lord Jesus as their Savior. You've come to a point of repentance, understanding, that your way of trying to make it to heaven will not work, and you have understood that you have to come God's way. And so it says, and with that, then you have belief. It says the apostle was given by the Spirit of God to write, we preach to all men repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. You understand God's God. We are not God. God's in charge. We are not in charge. And so we have to do things God's way and come His way that He's provided in the way He's provided, that's where faith comes in, is the Lord Jesus Christ. We place our faith in Him. Look what it says. If ye then be risen with Christ, you have believed on Him, so you literally are partakers of His resurrection. When Jesus Christ on that glorious day, after all of the pressure of the Roman Empire and all the, all the religious uh, intrigues of His own people had been brought against Him, and all the satanic influence, because Satan himself went into Judas Iscariot at the time of the betrayal. When all that came to play, and Christ was put into a borrowed tomb, neither all the forces which had been brought against Him, all the butchery and slaughter of a Roman crucifixion, nor the authority of the Roman governor's seal on that, that uh, tomb, nor the guards which were posted, nor the deep trench in which the large stone was rolled into, none of it could keep Christ in the grave. He came up with power over death and over hell. Power in your life over death and over hell, if you'll believe on Him. And so, if you then be risen with Christ. So there's the, here's, there's the proposition. What is it then, if then? If then you be risen with Christ, look what it says. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. See how it's phrased? Seek those things. So, if you're risen, then you need to be going after something. You need to be searching it. 
Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. In other words, it's finished. The authority's there. It's completed. Set your affections. Let's talk about loving God with your own heart. I know the popular theme of about every third country song is, I can help what my heart is doing. Amen. And uh, that's kind of the theme. All right. If I could get a little more twang in it, I'd get it going. And in one form or another, across most musical genres, that shows up again. You can't help. Just follow your heart. And that's ever the advice and foolish advice it is that is given by a world that does not understand the way of God. Instead, God says, set your affection. So how can I make my affection go a certain way? It's according to what you invest in. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, spouses would love each other a whole lot more if they'd invest something. How about some thought time? How about observation to see what they like or don't like? How about preferring them and not being selfish in our lives? Might these not make us better what we ought to be? Parents would love their, their children a whole lot more by investing. Well, I put clothes on their back and I put shoes on their feet, yeah? And, and you say, turn your back and get your feet out the door. Quit bothering me. No, you need to invest in them. Young people can invest and could love their families a lot more if they'd invest and realize, contrary to what your cosmology is, the world does not revolve around you. You're not the biggest thing going on. And you, well, I want my... Uh, get over it. Grow up and get over it. By the way, unfortunately, I have to say to a lot of adults, grow up and get over it. It's about God. It's about other folks. What is this? Set your affection. Decide to. I'm going to do this. Best marriage advice I ever got when I, when I was getting engaged. It was over a little simple breakfast in Holland, Michigan, of all places. And the man sitting across from me, I said, I don't have a dad who can advise me. He was living, but not someone who could advise me in my life. So my step, stepdad won't do it. And I'm getting married. And you and your wife obviously love each other. have been married a long time. Tell me what you would say to me if I was your son. And he said, love's about choices. He says, it's nice when the excitement's there and the thrill's there, but it's not there all the time. He said, everybody you ever meet, including, including as he said, LaVon, girl you're going to marry. And we were assuming she hadn't accepted the ring yet. Now, that's, that's faith right there, amen? Uh, but the, uh, she, uh, he said, everyone has good points, bad points. You're going to see them all once you get married. And you're going to love or you're going to learn to despise according to what you decide to think about. Well, pass me the salt. That was the end of it. And that was a counseling session right there. By the way, they should all be that quick. Um, set your affection on things above. Say there's some things above. There's something more important. Not on things on the earth. Why? For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Thank God that's where I am. I'm in a safe harbor called Jesus Christ. And I love it. When we were up in our family, we went up uh, to Erie, Pennsylvania, and we were coming around. We went out on that little boat, 40-foot boat, and it was real windy. They were getting five-foot waves going and rolling. It was a little bit much for that boat. And when you got on the leeward side of things, coming back into the little island where you got where that island was breaking the wind from hitting you and stuff, it was a lot smoother ride. It was a lot calmer ride. Why? Because you were in a place of safety. I'm glad I'm in Christ, in God. That's a place of safety for our soul. Thank God for it. And so what is loving God with all your heart? It's deciding to set your affection. 
I like the romantic part of love. I like the tingle part of love. I like the affectionate, that warm feeling. I like all of that. But I'm going to tell you, that is such a surface level of love. There's so much more to it. There's something called commitment. There's something called decision. There's something called putting someone before yourself. And that's what we need to do to God. And by the way, it says love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That means all parts of it. If you've got part of your life partitioned off in some secret thing, in some secret uh, affection that you have, even for that which is not right, then you can't love God with all your heart because you've kept part of it away. So we love the Lord our God with all our heart. And you know what's amazing about Brother Keith? And this is, this is the nature of our God. He's very generous. When we learn to love God with all our heart, our love for everyone else, which you'll see in the message, becomes better, stronger, and more what it ought to be. So loving God with all our heart does not diminish our capacity for loving others. It actually enhances our capacity for loving others. But that's the way God is. <laughs> Everything that's done properly, the way He's designed it, ends up doing better. So He said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That's the first one. Look in verse 37 again. Hopefully you didn't lose your place in Matthew. Brother Dan, I'm almost having to push this. I know it's on. Or I think it's on. But we can get me just a little, Thank you. I'm having to punch it just a little bit too much. Um, But not only did he say, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, what was the next thing? To love Him with all thy what? With all thy soul. You see it there? The soul is, is, uh, that's where worship, prayer, praise, dwell. We love that. I like it. I like to see someone get uh, their soul into something. It's Our soul is what allows us to have relationship with one another. I think about the great example in the Bible about a fellow named Jonathan and David. You know David, of course, the king, one who battled Goliath and such. And it says in one point of their great friendship, it says the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And that's a soul-to-soul relationship that allows us to do this. Well, we're supposed to love God with that part of us which can have proper relationships and that sort of thing. I don't think there's a better example of this thing of loving God with our soul than what Mary, the mother of Jesus, gave. And uh, I, I think it's a sad thing, in a way, that because some of our friends are, are in the Roman Catholic institution have venerated Mary and made her an object of worship, which of course is idolatry and is, is, would not be anything associated with the Scripture. But because they have done that, people who are Bible believers sometimes have so reacted or overreacted to things that you miss out on one of the great people that God used in the Bible. And there is a lot to learn from Mary's life and, and what she's done with that. He, he was just asking her out on a date. Actually. <laughs> I, 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 I meant that about couples, but now I'm preaching. For goodness sake, y'all. Uh, that's, that's a nursery thing back there. I would use you're just a messenger? There you go. Likely story. But Mary, uh, Mary shows us. Look in Luke chapter 1. Mary is rejoicing with her cousin Elizabeth. Her cousin Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is born several months before Jesus was. And Mary and Elizabeth are rejoicing about what God's doing in their life and how God's blessing them. 
chapter with the children and such. It's quite a powerful passage. But Mary responds to the greeting that Elizabeth gave her and to the evidences of God working and what she was expecting for God to do through the Messiah that He was giving and just so many different things were on Mary's heart. And look at this thing of loving God with your soul. Look in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. I, I don't know if there's a better example, and I love the phrasing of it. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Now some of you have had me do this with you, and some of you have heard me talk about it. I have asked people before, I, I've asked them, I said, what does a magnifying glass do if you put it over a page, you know, if you're trying to read something? What does it do if you put it over the page? And they say it makes it larger. And my answer is no, it doesn't. I don't care. You can put an electron microscope on it if you want to. You won't make it larger. I don't care how many times you amplify it and how strong you magnify it. You're not making it larger because that print's the same size. You've not changed the print. And when Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, can I submit to you this morning that you can't make God any better than what He is? Any holier than what He is? Any greater than what He is? Any more exciting than what He is? But her soul magnified the Lord. He was seen more clearly. He was seen with more distinction because her soul was rejoicing in the Lord. You want to know what it means, at least part of it, to love the Lord our God with all our soul it means that our soul, who we are, our interactions, the way we deal with folks, makes God more distinct to a people who need very much to see who the Lord really is. My soul doth magnify the Lord. I'd like my soul to magnify the Lord. It's real easy for soul to magnify self, isn't it? It's easy for my soul to magnify trouble. It's easy for my soul to magnify fleshly uh, pleasures, even I'm not even talking necessarily sinful ones, just you know things we enjoy. May God help us to have a soul that magnifies the Lord. Now, I'm going to begin to the point why the second's like the first. Why it's like unto. But you need to see what the first is. Alright, then, what was the last one Jesus gave in, in this account that we find here? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul. And what's the last one? All thy mind. Now, follow this second, right? In the accounts that are recorded of this, of Jesus talking about the greatest commandment, I should say, in Mark 12, in Luke 10, the word strength is also given there. And so, what happens in the four gospel accounts, you don't have four gospels. There's one gospel. You have four accounts, and when you read all of them and become knowledgeable with each of them, you see it from vantage points that God gave where He's trying to give you the full spectrum of the picture. I was going to take a picture last night of some beautiful clouds, and I accidentally hit the panoramic thing on my phone. I was trying to figure out, what's it doing? But you get that, and it picks up all the way around. And as long as you're taking that, it turns into one big picture. Maybe you're familiar with that. And what God does in the four Gospel accounts he takes the one gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and he gives you a panoramic view of it. And so in those other places I mentioned, the word strength there also. Well, here, when Jesus said, with all thy mind, 
why, why would you have strength and you would have mind? It makes perfect sense. I'll show you this and watch how this comes together. Look in Romans chapter 12. Don't lose your place in, in Matthew. Romans chapter 12. So are you keeping your mind engaged on this? We're talking about the second commandment, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, is like unto, those are Jesus' words, the first commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy soul. Thy soul and thy mind, excuse me. And why, why do you say that one's like the other? And in order to understand it, we're learning about the first one, that greatest commandment. Because everything else about following God has to do with our heart relationship with Him. All right? So watch what happens here with it. Right? Look in Romans chapter 12. And now, why, why would it, in, in the other places, why would it also say all your mind and strength? Look at Romans 12, familiar passage for many of you, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Bodies. Okay? Would we not agree that that's a, at least one of the sources of strength we have? We understand there's mental strength, there's emotional strength, but it also includes the body. And it affects us. Each part of you affects the other. You know, I've had people come to me at different things they're struggling with, and I've said, will you please get a full blood panel? Find a competent doctor who can actually read blood tests. Will you please have some things checked? Because I think you may be dealing with something spiritual, but you're also dealing with something physical, and you need to find out how the two are interacting. And for goodness seconds, goodness sakes, please don't take a psychotropic drug from a doctor who just hands it to you and has done no testing. You need this based on what clinical test? No, I just say, and they keep doing something different to see how you react to it. Does the term guinea pig mean anything to you? You are neither guinea nor pig. Don't do it. It can mess with you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, okay, there's strength in that, preacher. But watch, look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, pressed into the pattern of it, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. And so that mind and that strength, that goes together. The two things are related with that. Do you know when you don't feel well, it's hard to think well? Does anybody want to testify about the time you get real hungry, it's hard to hold your thoughts together? How many of you are like that? That's why every good preacher knows there's a time to land the sermon because you're thinking about lunch. It's over. Amen. And you say, is the sermon over? Yes, it is. I might as well acknowledge that and close. You know, we're done. Um, (laughs) And then God help us if we're having a meal after the service and you can smell it in here while I'm preaching. That's, that's, That's like impossible. But what happens is your strength and your mind are to be given to God. And by the way, why do we do this renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is it? This thing of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all the strength, all this, what is that? We, we trust the Lord. Now, wait a minute, we've looked at detail about that. So we come to the question, why is the second, love thy neighbor as thyself, like unto the first? What, what is that? Here, I'll put it in simple form and then show you this. Because the second is dependent on the first. And the first is manifested or made open in the second. Okay, what I mean? The second commandment, which is we are supposed to love our what? 
neighbor, talk to me. Or you go home earlier, fast you pass the test. Is like our, uh, we're supposed to love our what? Neighbor like ourselves. Okay? That's the second. The second is dependent on the first. The first is we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. All our soul and our mind. I always flip this. And all our strength. So, in order to do the second, to love our neighbors as we ought to, we need to be dependent on loving God as we ought to. Now, there are some people who don't know anything about the God of the Bible, and they're kind people. Courteous people. Some of them are very caring people. But God wants us to be able to love our neighbor at a level that is different than just what the flesh can love. He wants us to be able to love our neighbor with the same kind of love that God had towards us that caused the reality to happen that's recorded in John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That kind of love that God commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you imagine that? And so what happens? The, this thing of loving the second is dependent on the first. If I'm going to love my neighbor not just my family member, not just my friend, but my neighbor as myself, I need God's love in me to cause that to happen. In our uh, Sunday school and adult Bible classes just a couple, three weeks ago, we learned about the Good Samaritan. We found out about this fellow that had been beaten by thieves, wounded. The Bible says they left him half dead. That wasn't just somebody talking. I mean, the guy was rough shape. You remember what that was about then? That priest came by, a fellow who teaches the law of God and teaches people about God. He went by on the other side. He saw this mess and he's like, man. He went by on the other side and didn't pay attention to it. And then a Levite came by. Someone also who was from the tribe or the people that were set aside to take care of the house of God. He didn't necessarily teach the Word of God, but he took care of the house of God. And the Bible says he went and looked at the guy and then went on his way. Left him. And then a Samaritan came by. By the way, Jesus was given this account and He knew the Jews didn't like the Samaritans at all, considered them very low people, disgusting people. And so Jesus said, tell you what the Samaritan did. The Samaritan looked at Him, had compassion on Him, applied first aid, if you will, what He had to do that with, put Him on His own beast, put Him on His own transportation, took Him somewhere He could be cared for and paid for Him. And then he asked, Jesus asked the lawyer, because he was responding to a question that the deceitful lawyer was trying to trick him with, because the lawyer had asked this question, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He was trying to lay a trap for him. And when Jesus said this to him, what we read today, that lawyer said, well, who's my neighbor? He said, God, oh, love neighbors yourself. And the Bible gives the motive way. It says, willing to justify himself. He says, well, who's my neighbor? Now, I'm telling you how the love of God makes a difference. Man, somebody you care about, a close friend, family member, it's instinctive to take care of. But that's not what this is talking about. Who's my neighbor? Oh, well, who do I have to take care of? So Jesus gives this whole account and says this Samaritan came along and actually took care of the guy. And then he asked the lawyer, he said, who was actually a neighbor to that man? And the lawyer had to admit it. At least he was intellectually honest. He said, the one who took care of him. And Jesus said, you go and do the same. 
What was he teaching? He's saying the second is like the first. The second is like the first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how are you going to love your neighbor as yourself? By loving God with all your heart. Because loving God will lead you to a place where you examine your own life in the light of who God is. It takes you out of that realm of selfishness and an existence. Well, what about me? What about you? How long have you wallowed in that poison of self, self-absorption? What about finding God's way of living that goes beyond you and goes outside of you? Some of you are doing some very good things regarding your children. I've gotten knowledge of it in various ways and various, various circumstances, various uh, things going on. Some of you are being very careful to try to teach your children or perhaps as you have influence with that are young to give to people, to help someone when they see the needs there, to look out for the needs of others and you're doing it in a good way. You're leading them that way. You're not forcing them. You're, you're leading them that way. You're saying, hey, here's a present for so-and-so. Do you know, hey, you could help them with that. And by the way, when you do that, you're doing a good thing. That's a good approach. That's a, that's a healthy thing. And may God help you to do that always. But what is this? The second commandment is dependent on the first. And then the first commandment is shown in the second. How do you show that you love God? You say, well, I just talk to God. That's one way. You're right. It is. You say, well, I, preacher, I'm by myself. I, I, I sing to God. That's awesome. I sing to God while I'm by myself too. By the way, I, the Lord likes that and that's... The, Nicest thing I can do to God's people is be do one by myself. And, and I'll, I'll say to the Lord, my wife, she, she's so gracious with it. And she has such good hearing when it comes to music. And I have such poor singing when it comes to music. And I'll be singing at the house. And every now and then, you know, you get a song and you can kind of follow it. And those of you who are with me, you, you, you know, we, we cannot get a thing together. But then you have that time when it just goes, who knows what's happening? I can hear, it sounds so good. And then here, then it sounds okay. And then sometimes I make up for my, my uh, quality of music by volume. <laughs> and I'll be singing, and my wife, she is, she's, she's fun, she's encouraging to me because she knows it's just part of what I do, trying to love the Lord. But every now and then she'll just, I see her eyes do this, especially from the car. Oh. And she'll, all she'll say, I'm, I'm like really bad, she's, all she ever says is, oh, honey. And she's, you can tell it just hurts. Oh, honey. And I'm like, okay, I'll quote scripture or something. Uh, that's, yes, you can let God, you can let your love to God be known that way. And you can let your love to God be known so many different ways. But you realize the great manifestation of the love inside of you for God comes out as you treat other people and as you show the, that in how you're dealing with them. Let me give you one other passage here, and we'll be done this, uh, this morning. 1 John chapter 4. Almost said we'll be done this evening. That really scared some of y'all, wouldn't it? Oh no. <laughs> when we leave it? First John 4. And I'll read just a few verses with very little comment on it because it's just so powerful here. Now think about this. Why is the second, love thy neighbor as thyself, like unto the first, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart? The second's dependent on the first. 
in the second shows the first in our life. Now let's see the evidence of this in 1 John chapter 4. Verse 10 is where we'll begin. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation is not used very many times in the Bible. I think three times. Forgive me if I'm incorrect on that, but I think three times. And it's, it is used, it talks about the place of mercy. In fact, one other way the word for that is given in the Bible is mercy seat. And so He's the propitiation for, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, verse 11, we ought also to love one another. Now watch it. No man has seen God at any time. It's talking about in His glorified state. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. So what's this talking about? God, nobody's seen God in His glorified state. Why? But then he immediately starts talking about God's love working through us. That's how people get to see God. They get to see what He's like by how we represent Him and how we, how we do. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, as in everybody. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him. Why, church, does it say? Because He first loved us. It's reciprocal. Because if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. The second's like unto the first. And in both of those, God is honored. My prayer on it and the little statement I wrote down, that the Lord help us to be faithful in filling both of these great commandments. Because on these, everything else hinges. Without these, everything else will get distorted. This is what God wants for us. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, thank You for Your words. Thank You for the Scripture which we've read. God, I pray You'll help us to love You, please, with our hearts, with our minds, with our soul, our mind, our strength, all of it. And God, help us to love those that we encounter and love Him with a godly, pure love. Lord, I, I ask You, I, I, I know the need, or I know some degree of the need in my life, and I'm willing to be taught by You for the rest of it. God, I pray for Your people. These folks I love, that I 
the privilege of speaking Your Word to. And Lord, may they be serious about their love to You. God, I pray You have mercy. For mercy is so needed. And Lord, that You'll give strength. Bless this time. Bless this invitation for Your honor, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please, if you would, this morning. Let me ask you something. Invitation time in a Bible-believing church is opportunity for you to respond to the Word of God that's been preached. I want you to get set in your minds within our meetings, our, our church here where we meet. The Lord deals with you at any time, this altar and this area down here. A place that's made sacred by people praying and a place of commitment. That's open all the time during the scene, during the preaching. But are you open to what God wants to do with you? Let me ask you this morning, if I were talking to you one-on-one, and I ask you, why do you know that heaven's going to be your home? How do you know that you're God's child? What could your answer be to me? Would it be, would it involve some works you're doing? Some religious thing you've done? Well, if so, then your faith is misplaced because neither your works nor your religion, whatever kind it may be, Baptist or any other, can save your soul. It's only Jesus Christ. The only acceptable answer with God is my faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's the case this morning, then you belong to Him. All these things are yours. But uh, how are we doing on this thing of actually loving God? Not checking off a list of things that we do to fit in our religion, but about loving God from the heart. How are we doing with that? I think a lot of you in the room want to love God. It's your desire to. You really do. You get aggravated at yourself when you don't. You get aggravated at yourself when you see failure. But God will help you. I'm going to pray with you and for you. I'm done praying. I'm done praying. Mr. Webb will play a song invitation. You need to come this morning. You need to come and find out how to know the Lord is your Savior. We'll be glad to talk to you about that. If you're saved and need to follow the Lord in baptism. We'll take you to you about that. Whatever your need is, let's pray. Father, thank you for your people. I pray you'll help them to be obedient and, uh, Father, sensitive to what you want them to do. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Mr. Webb, we'll play. You need to come this morning. Why don't you come on ahead, please?